Good evening, and welcome back to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. Hey, how's it going, everyone? <laughs> good, good. And um, listen, everybody, we know we went a little long last week. Uh, Rob and I didn't feel like it was our best episode, so we're going to try to streamline it. We tried to work it out, what we're going to do this week. We certainly want to talk a lot of football um, and some other things at the end, as always, but we'd be... We can't start this episode in a happy mode. Uh, we will get there soon, but this has been there's been a lot happened this week um, or last couple weeks, and some of it was rather somber. Uh, just tonight, I think we'd be bearing the lead if we didn't mention um, just this evening we learned that Ron Carrier, the fourth president of JMU and the president when both Rob and I were students, passed away today at 85. Um, Rob, did you have any thoughts on Car- uh, Uncle Ron? No, I mean, he was, he was kind of a larger-than-life character mm-hmm. um, for those who was the wrong campus at the time. I think pretty much every fraternity rush featured a photo of <laughs> Carrier playing beer pong or drinking with the brothers. Um, he, he was one of these guys who was kind of a man of the people, mm-hmm. um, probably more responsible for JMU being the school it is today than anybody else. Um, really drove the growth. It was from like 71 to... 98 was that was that i think so yeah i think it was 25 years and or over 27 years or something and uh yeah i graduated in 99 and that was rose's first year so um so i mean just just a huge if if there was a mount rushmore of jmu he'd be the first guy on it that's what well said i mean i I just couldn't you know at times i think presidents chancellors of universities get a little uh maybe too much credit and too much blame for the direction of large universities but in this case, I, I don't think there's any doubt that Ron Carrier, easily the most significant presence probably in the history of JMU and certainly in the JMU of the last half century. Uh, everything, oh. yeah, I mean, everything we know and love about JMU today, you can almost directly trace it back to his tenure. So, you know, everything on the east side of 81 didn't exist before he got there. Uh, football didn't exist. <laughs> really before he got there no I, mean, I don't even think the village existed <laughs> right um you know everything that so many of us care and, and love about jmu and i think jmu's become a huge state university with you know somewhat national reputation and a lot of research and a lot of other stuff going on but the focus on the undergraduate is probably one of the things that we all love the most about jmu and carrier is almost epitomizes that focus. So we will all miss Uncle Ron um, very much. We'll be looking forward to reading everybody's stories because I know there are some legendary ones out there uh, the next couple of days. So beyond uh, President Carrier, we also wanted to touch on uh, during the game this past week, Trey Sharp, uh, JMU's was third string now, sort of, First slash second string running back. Yeah, co-starter. Co-starter, yeah, um, who had an incredible game. Uh, we learned, or that he learned in the fourth quarter that his father had passed away. Rob and I don't don't know any more than what a few players have tweeted out and, and what Coach Houston said in the post game. But obviously, sad, sad day and, and a really bittersweet day after the big win, I think, for the program and everybody around the program. So we are... You know, certainly praying for Trey's family and everybody around the program right now and, and hope the Dukes are uh, 
doing the best they can this week. So then our third thing we wanted to touch on was, this is uh, sad and happy, I guess. Uh, Rob and I have been thrilled. We have been trying to do a little fundraising. We try to do this once a year or so, and this year we decided that the uh, we had sort of a friend of a friend who is a park ranger in Saint, on St. John in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and those her house was destroyed. Her, most of what she owned was destroyed, and certainly may not have um, may not have her same job for a while. It sounds like they've been evacuated to St. Croix, where they are now sitting in the path of Hurricane Maria. So, if you check our check the blog. Um, check our Facebook. We have links on there. There's a small GoFundMe site that's been set up for the five interpretive park rangers at the Virgin Island National Park on St. John. And our friend Emily um, would be one of the five beneficiaries. And we, they just, one great thing that happened this week was Rob and I pledged a dollar a point along with a few other Dukes. And the Dukes obviously scored 75 points. We even had somebody pledge seven, uh, $10 a point. So hopefully... You can honor that pledge as well. Uh, thanks to everybody who donated. We said if we get 50 or more donations of $5 or more, we'll add another $50 to our donation. Uh, so thank you very much, everyone. As always, the outpouring of support from JMU Nation is overwhelming and uh, a real ray of light in a tough, tough week this week. So with that said, we will try to awkwardly segue to happy news and talk football and not think about the world right now. Um, and first we'll do our four downs from the Norfolk state game. So Rob, you want to take first down? Yeah. Um, I don't think we need to get too deep in the analysis no. here, but uh, the one thing that really jumped out to me was Houston just pulling off the red shirts. Um, I, I really liked it, you know, seeing some of these young guys get on the field. We already saw, you know, four Nadell's played in every game this year. Monster. Um, <laughs> monster guy. Um, really. I know a lot of people were kind of clamoring for Cole Johnson to get his red shirt this year. I, I was a little bit in that direction, but now I've gone the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. I think if the guys are, are physically up to it and ready to make an impact, get them out there and get some reps. Yep. Uh, the card on Johnson injury was, was heartbreaking. Um, not so much as a fan. I mean, it's bad, but I just feel awful for him at, as a guy who's really given it all. has been absolutely snake bit by injuries. Mm-hmm. But to me, that that's kind of more reason – not to rest these guys. You never know what's going to happen. The idea of just kind of packing them away for another day or, oh, we'll get four more years down the road. Get them up, get them reps um, in case they're needed. I yeah. Mean, just, just like we saw with Johnson, you know, next mm-hmm. man up. Yep. Um, so I, I really like what we saw from UJ Obese. You know, what do you have, 131 yards? Granted, yep. it was kind of in mop-up time. I'm not sure how much Norfolk State's heart was really in at that no, point. I'm not sure it was in it after the first quarter. No, but, but yeah. I mean, that's great. I think Houston said that every guy that dressed saw the field. Um, yep. and, I, and I love it. You know, I think it's good. Get them out there. Um, they've got four years, but you never know. Nothing's guaranteed. So if they can play, play. And I liked what I saw. Um, Cheatham. Cheatham had a really nice catch mm-hmm. um, getting out there. Johnson and limited reps made a couple nice throws. So I was very encouraged by that probably more than anything. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, and I think one thing we saw last year, I mean, you can't, it's, it could be a long season. We all hope it will be a very long season this year. Uh, you know, 15 games is a lot of games like JMU played last year and could potentially hopefully play again this year. And when those suspensions came in the playoffs, a lot of guys had to play, um, you know, not just filling in as starters, but guys behind them filling in as backups and really being a part of the team in the playoffs. And, you know, I think we, 
Last year, we didn't look askance at all at Houston pulling red shirts. That's that's a big word from the English major. (laughs) Sorry. I don't even know if I used it correctly. Sorry, Dr. Cash. (laughs) I was a business major, so I wouldn't know. Yeah. I I mean, last year, you know, after coming off the Withers era, we we really didn't know whether Houston was – why he was pulling red shirts, why he wasn't, whether the cupboard was bare, what what it looked like. And so we didn't talk about it. This year, we've all kind of focused on this. Um, But last year, obviously, Houston got guys time throughout the year, and they were ready to go when they needed to. So I think that's a great first down. Um, For me on second down, once again, the defense. I mean, it's Norfolk State, so there's only so much to say. But when you really think back, I I saw somebody made the point today that, you know, in in the ECU game, JMU gave up 14 points. The first touchdown was on a 25-yard short field after the turnover for ECU. The second was with like 20 seconds to go in the game when all the backups were in. Then they gave up 10 points to – well, actually, the defense gave up three points to ETSU. And then this week, the defense gave up no points. The short interception return and the kick return late in the game. So, you know, what can you say? I mean, the defense has essentially given up – 10 points in three games. Uh, it's hard to beat. <laughs> Just a really outstanding effort. So that this team, you know, may not be quite, despite 75 points, may not quite be on all cylinders yet on offense. But if they can keep putting this forth this effort on defense, it's, it could be a great year for the Duke. You want to take third down, Rob? Yeah, um, I guess this kind of builds on what, what we wrote. So last week we talked about how we wanted to you know, see a more balanced approach, see the running game come back. Um, combined, I think clearly the, the running game was back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely dominant. What was it? I think five guys had over 40 yards. Yeah. Uh, two guys went over 100. The stat that kind of jumped out at me, and this highlights what you were saying with the defense and, you know, our not concern, but what we wanted to see improvement from going to the game was, was the rushing attack. JMU had over 10 times the rushing yards of, of Norfolk State. That is just staggering. I mean, defensively, <laughs> held Norfolk State to 43 yards, and they rushed for 472. Wow. Uh, it, it's one thing to, like, double up your opponent, but 10 times, that is just utter, utter domination. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that just goes to the play on both sides of the line, you know, the defensive line and, and the offensive line. The, the big cliche, you know, you got to win the line of scrimmage, or mm-hmm. win the battle in the trenches. They absolutely did it. It was just, it was men against boys down there in the trenches. Sure was. Yeah, and for, for me, I mean, kind of in that vein, my fourth down would be uh, really some of the transfers settling in. I thought uh, both Marcus Marshall after the obviously really tough to see Carden Johnson going down in the second quarter, a kid that had worked his way back from a, an Achilles injury and has seemed to battle that injury throughout his career. Um, and we'll miss him a lot. Hopefully he will be able to stand on the bench in Frisco and cheer the team on or something. But um, it just... Really sad for him, but I thought Marcus Marshall, he certainly seems to be getting more comfortable in the offense. You know, it's very different. The triple option he was in at Georgia Tech was kind of run downhill, run to your spot, run straight through the hole as fast as you can. And this is obviously more of a zone blocking and kind of setting up blocks and being more patient again. Um, you know, he may have done some of that in high school, but he's starting to look a lot more comfortable. And that's good news with Cardin going down. I don't and know I, if you if you watched either, Todd. I'm sorry for interrupting. Yeah, no. In the in the post game presser, he actually mentioned that he feels like he's getting more comfortable in the scheme. It, it was evident. I mean, he was patiently waiting and then hitting the hole quick. You know, picking the right one to go through. So 
he only had a few carries and the game was out of reach, but I was really impressed with his play in the first half. That's how I was too. And, and kind of the same thing with Eldridge out on the outside, you know, yeah. uh, Ishaiman, I think had a little minor injury or sickness this week. We expect him back very soon, but you know, with all's out, it was really right. I mean, the pressure was on Eldridge a little bit and yeah. just these last two weeks. I mean, you can really see him realizing how good he can be at this level and, and feeling more confident out there. So that, that was definitely my, a big highlight for me and something to look forward to going forward. So we, I mean, think about they're still not with the full complement of players. <laughs> Wait till they get alls back. I know it's, it's scary to think. And Herford on that defense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they could be really, really good. Yep. So, so normally we've talked the last couple of weeks, we've talked about one concern we had coming out of the game. I don't think, you know, we've talked a little bit about Carden Johnson's injury. We're v- the Dukes are very fortunate to have that whole backfield of guys ready to go in his place. Uh, as sad as it is to lose a playmaker like Carden, it's probably the position that JMU could most afford to lose a player at. So we don't really have any concerns coming out of the Norfolk State game. We were going to talk about our concerns looking forward this week to the main game, uh, the first real game of the season potentially for JMU. So my first concern for this game I, I would like to see, and I know we, we try not to be too critical of kids, um, but Brian Shore has been a little wound up the start of these games. Um, you know, just a little high with some throws early, uh, has thrown obviously a couple interceptions, and, and, you know, really hard to be critical of this great player. But it seems like Jamie's a little keyed up at the start of the game. I'd like to see him start a little smoother, maybe more the way they did back in that first game against ECU. Yeah, so. I, I think I think the words you chose are, are appropriate because it's not that he's off or anything, but it just seems like he and the offense come out and are just a little bit jacked up. Mm-hmm. And it's like once once they all get that first hit, then they get going and it's just been cruise control. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this is being extremely nitpicky sure, sure. on our part. But, Big time. Um, no, he, he has had a couple he wanted back, but that's also what these games are for. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as, you know, they count in the standings and everything realistically this is just kind of preseason up until now yep so how about you rob um uh, i don't know i mean in terms of concerns going forward i I, i'm still a little bit shocked that a team that does such a good job of kind of playing assignment football and doing their job commits so many penalties uh I, i think they've got like 33 on the season they had another 10 on on saturday um i think I counted at least one on another return. It's become like routine. It's like 50-50 shot. There's going to be a flag on, on a return. Part of that could just be the the emphasis the refs have, you know, on, on calling blocks in the back or anything. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, they got to cut that out. You know, that's those are the type of things that can really hurt you. When you get against better teams and it really becomes more of a field position battle, um, the penalties really could come back and bite you. Yeah, I think that's definitely something you want to watch out for. I, I think if I remember correctly, I, I could be wrong on this, but I think the Dukes were pretty heavily penalized last year as well. So, yeah. I mean, part of it is when you run 90 or 100 plays a game, as the Dukes seem to do, uh, you know, things are going to happen at some point. But it's definitely something they want to clean up. Correct. Yeah. And, and as we mentioned after the first game, like I think most of us, I know certainly the two of us, would gladly take the trade off of a few more penalties if they come because the corners and the defensive backs are playing press coverage and aggressive. Right. Um, I'm fine with that. I'd much rather do that. Like it drove me crazy 
during you know the last days of, of Mickey Matthews and then through Everett Withers where the corners would have the ten yard cushions and you know, it was just like you gave yes. up yeah eight, no <laughs> gave like awful. a free eight yards on every play that drove me nuts yeah I'd rather I'd rather give up pass interference you know a couple times a game and actually force them to earn those yards and not give away any any uh, easy receptions so. yeah I mean if those penalties come from being overly physical I think we can live with that. You know, if they're just mental mistakes, that's what we'd like to see them clean up just a little bit. Yep. So, and and I was grasping to try to find things that I was concerned about. <laughs> well, I mean, we're a little concerned, like not completely concerned about Maine, but I think Maine is two and one. They lost by one point on a missed extra point to New Hampshire in week one. They played a rare opening season CAA game last year. JMU was up twenty four twenty midway through the fourth quarter, up there in Orono and did win the game 31-20, but certainly a team that usually plays pretty stout on defense. It, As Rob has mentioned before, really glad this game's at home for the Dukes. But, you know, Maine's generally usually a pretty tough team. Uh, they had a, a few athletes for sure on the defensive side of the ball last year. And after these last two, really three games where JMU has just, I don't know, I mean, they haven't, what if they, you know, they got to be feeling like this is easy. And I think this week the team, it's going to be a noticeable step up in competition this week, for sure. Yeah, one thing I'm actually looking forward to, I'm not concerned, but I'm looking forward to seeing how the defense um, handles Josh Mack. He, mm-hmm. He's a running back from Maine. He's a sophomore. He's, through only two games, uh, he's leading the CAA in rushing. Take that for what it's worth. You know, he got one game against New Hampshire yep. that he did go over 100 for. Yep. And then he just went nuts and had 200-some-odd yards <laughs> against Bryant. Right. Whatever. I mean, I mean yeah. like, we're not going to get – too worried about it, but the guy's averaging almost nine yards to carry. Yeah, um, this is going to be the best test Jamie has uh, on the young season. Hopefully, it's exciting for the players to to feel like they get to go out there and really compete uh, for the yeah, first absolutely. time this year. You know, no, I mean this is a legit challenge. The guy averages eight point nine yards per carry. <laughs> right, you got to give him some respect. Right. So our next thing uh, before we go off topic here is we we want to talk about something outside of football that happened. Uh, they came out on Friday. Rob, you want to tell us what happened with the softball program on Friday? Head coach Mickey Dean um, is now former head coach Mickey Dean. Uh, he accepted a job down at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Auburn, for those of you that are not in the know with, with NCAA softball, uh, is in the, S- the SEC for softball is like the SEC for football. Right. It is the premier conference. Um, they had roughly 45 teams make the tournament <laughs> last year. They're all good. Auburn is the type of program where you can win national championship. They had a bit of a scandal last year. Um, we don't need to get into that, but they were looking for a fresh start with a guy who's a proven winner, and Mickey Dean is at the top of that list. Obviously very upsetting uh, if you're a JMU softball fan, but uh, plenty of talent on that roster. Uh, I'm sure they will be fine. And It's one of those jobs where you can't be too sad if, if you're having coaches kind of graduate on to absolute top-tier national championship type jobs. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think it's very similar to, to Kenny Brooks leaving the women's basketball program a couple years ago. Just at, at some point, there's more money. In softball, there's not as much of a, a difference in the money between what Coach Dean was making at JMU and what he'll make at Auburn. But as Rob said, um, this is a tough one because it is one of those kind of undersides or one of those things we don't talk about a lot in terms of JMU being in the CAA, and this is not meant to be a, a pro FBS argument or anything like that. Cause it's not like conference USA is, you know, or something like that makes this much better, but 
if you're Coach Dean, I think it's understandable that there's no doubt he can win a national championship at Auburn if, if he has the kind of talent that, that he's likely to get. Uh, the Auburn softball athletes also get full, full cost of attendance stipends. At JMU, it's just football, men's and women's basketball, I think, at this point. And that's pretty much the norm in the CAA. So that makes recruiting a little easier. And it's just one of those tough things. And, and as we've said in basketball, as we said when Coach Withers left, uh, if, if JMU can be a springboard, it, that means they're winning. If coaches are leaving from JMU to take big jobs, that means they're winning. And we'll take that if that's, if, if that's where we are. It, it wouldn't be any different if JMU were in even the American Conference, right? It, it would be the, the same way. If, if Auburn comes calling, that's a tough one to turn down for in almost any sport when you know the resources that you're going to have at your disposal. And the one good thing on this is uh, superstar JMU pitcher Megan Good is back for one more year. So it, it's certainly not like Coach Dean hung it up with the cupboard bear here. So we're, we're certainly excited for the former Fort Defiance star to lead the Dukes, hopefully back to the tournament again, and, and maybe finally to the Softball College World Series. So... With that, we um, this week we are going to go back to a, a more regular off-topic. We'll we got a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of criticism for the soccer discussion last week. We did, yes. we, we did get a little loose with the soccer discussion last week. We apologize about that. Mm-hmm. So this week we're actually going to talk. We were both going to recommend a binge-worthy television show, maybe something we're watching or looking forward to watching. So for me, this um, you know, well, can we just can yeah. we just we assume that anybody watching is. Can we just take the wire and breaking bad off the table? Like, yeah. I assume everybody's watching that. And if they haven't, stop listening to this podcast and, right. and go start. I mean, you're wasting your time listening to this right. if you haven't watched those two shows. So yeah, I mean, get get that off the table. Yeah, I mean, we could probably take Game of Thrones off the list as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Sopranos, you know, but like, yeah, we're, we're going to assume the top top tier you've heard about. Sure. Um, for me, I, I actually I have to admit I'm such a sports nut that I don't watch a ton of TV. So it's, it's not, I'm not as up to date on this stuff as most people. I, I would, you know, my favorite television show of all time is the West Wing. And it right now only makes me sad to go watch those episodes. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't recommend going back and starting there. Um, one thing I do, I do have a little mini rant here. I, I want to be critical of younger Dukes who have binge watched Friends. Friends is terrible. It's oh, a terrible man. show. But did you see the New York Times this, this morning about how it's become a big deal with Latin baseball players to learn English? I had no idea. I guess they it's can actually, learn all it, of their anti-gay slogans from friends. All right. Uh, it's actually a very, very funny article. Like, right. These guys, like, I think Wilmer Flores and, you know, clearly a lot of Mets featured because there's nothing else to write about my Mets right now. Um, but it was fascinating. Like, it's like a big deal in major league clubhouses where the Latin players will... I guess trade DVDs and they use that to get up on pop culture. I do kind of love that 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 fact right there. I had no idea. It, That's great. It, check it out. It was actually a really interesting article. That's really funny. No, for me right now, um, I did watch Glow on Netflix, which is the Ooh. story about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. It's the fictional account with Mark Marin as the producer of the show, like producer of the wrestling program on the show, not the producer of the program oh. Glow. Yeah, and um. That was pretty good. It's only 10 episodes. I, I can't imagine it's coming back again. It, I, it took me three or four episodes to get into. 
but I like ones that are kind of finite that have a limited amount. I don't, it's hard for me to think about starting a 60 show thing, but the yeah. one for me this summer is I'm really looking forward to Westworld coming back. I know I'm kind yes. of an HBO junkie and I really did enjoy the first season of that. Obviously a fantastic cast, really fun. And, and, and that's coming from someone who was, has never been a big Michael Crichton fan, but really enjoyed that show and looking forward to it coming back. And this would be the time to get caught up. Yeah, no, I love that. That's, that's yeah. good call. Um, I see, unlike you, like, I like sports, but I am a TV junkie. I watch everything. <laughs> I'm, oh, so I could go on for hours and hours about this. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess I'm not breaking any news here. I think it won an Emmy last night for writing. Um, but Master of None, if, if you haven't seen that, the first <laughs> two seasons have been fantastic. It's Aziz Ansari. Uh, the first season all takes place in New York, kind of about his dating life. Uh, second season split between Italy. New York mm-hmm. it's really really good like Aziz Ansari is known as this really funny stand-up comedian and comedic actor but similar to Louis CK with the Louis show like the show is a lot more than that what, hurricane coming through Would yeah <laughs> that's right that's right yeah. um it's just it's really well written you know there's some episodes that are very funny but others are a little more serious and definitely a fun show they're usually quick episodes they range between like 25 and 40 minutes and uh, definitely check it out. It's fun. Season two in particular was excellent. That is a good recommendation, Rob. Um, and that brings us pretty much to the end of this week's podcast. We have a couple little things we wanted to mention on the way out. As usual, uh, you can look us up in the Bumpers app. You can subscribe to us in there. You can also subscribe to us in the iTunes podcast store. Please do that. Uh, someone go ahead and rate us at some point. I guess we can get a one-star rating sooner or later. So go yeah. for it. <laughs> and, or early um, was hate mail or something. Yeah, something like that, right? I'm going to get tons of it now with the friends comment, so I just couldn't resist. So. <laughs> it really, I mean, that, that guy Ross might be the most unlikable character in the history of television. So. Oh, oh, it just drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, okay. It's okay, but uh, it's yeah. definitely not. No, it's not just iconic. so. It's also more. It seems to have not aged well compared to other shows, which is why I don't understand why everyone who wasn't watching television when the show was on loves it now. But anyways. yeah, well, I mean, the whole idea of like the three camera three camera sitcom just seems so dated. But that in particular, right? I don't know. A bunch of unlikable characters. Yep. But we did have a little um little soft launch of something this weekend, and I'll let Rob tell you about it. Yeah, uh, our buddy Ben Markowitz, a very talented designer, worked with us. He did the Lock the Damn Gates t-shirts, and he also designed a really awesome uh, design. It's a Rootin t-shirt. It's kind of the state of Virginia, Commonwealth of Virginia, with Rootin in it, similar to those home t-shirts you might see. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. We will post a link on the blog later this week. We'll be tweeting it out. They're available in gold and uh, purple, men's and women's sizes, Definitely check them out. Let us know what you think. Uh, and huge thanks to Ben. Just another outstanding job. And we're pretty excited about this one. I think a lot of people are going to like it. And I think the Lock the Damn Gate shirt is available again on the same site, right? It is, yeah. I actually got an email that somebody bought one last week. So, All right. Thank you, thank so, you to whoever so did that on accident. There's Jamie Sports Blog merch now. So go ahead out there and get, get, get yourself some. Um, All right. Well, thanks, Rob. And I will talk to you next week after the first CAA game. Yeah. All right. Have a good week, everyone. All right. Go Dukes.